You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanyo, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 35, I am speaking with a business law professor and lawyer. This guest uses her corporate America background to teach internationally. Based in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, today's guest is Michelle Words. Welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Thank you. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay. That's always a tough question. It's like, where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) But currently, I am a lecturer in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and I teach business law, basically, to undergrads and to MBA students. Mm -hmm. And I have been living abroad for the past seven years. Okay. So, yes, I moved to Qatar initially, and I taught business English for four years. But I did want to tie in my legal background somewhere along mm-hmm. with my business background. So teaching business law is just perfect for me. Yeah. And I was a professional up until I started teaching in Qatar seven years ago. So I have tons of business experience, which really brings a lot to the classroom for the students. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that I have the background that I do because I can always give them real life examples when I'm telling them these different legal concepts, because I probably had some sort of experience based on my background with whatever topic we're talking about. Yeah. So I've been doing that for the past seven years. Before that, though, I'm um, originally from California, but I've lived in many states in the U.S. throughout my various careers. (laughs) And I have had various careers as well. Before I moved to Qatar, I was an assistant vice president at Bank of America and traveled around the country, basically representing the bank as a representative, not as an attorney, although they hired attorneys for the position, but I wasn't acting as an attorney, but I would appear in court to be basically the face and the voice of the bank during the financial crisis. So when people were losing their homes, I would arrive in court and say, hi, I'm Bank of America. So imagine how warmly I was greeted. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I did that for a few years and I didn't start law school until I think I was 36. Wow. When I started law school. Yes, I was one of the owls. Okay. (laughs) One of the older students. Um, Yeah, so I even had a, a business career even before I went to law school, but law school was always a goal of mine mm-hmm. and a dream that I had. But I always, when, even when I started law school, it wasn't necessarily with the goal of being an attorney. I just thought the legal knowledge that I would gain would be an asset for me in business. And so I was okay with practicing and I was okay with not practicing yeah. when I graduated law school. So I don't know. In a nutshell, I guess that's me. I'm an avid traveler. I love Mm -hmm. to travel. So really, that was one of the motivations for me to move abroad is because I wanted to have more time and more money to travel. And so that's exactly what I have done. So I've been to over 60 countries Wow. and living in my second country. And actually, I'm going to move to my third country probably in the next year. Okay. So because this is your life, you're like, oh, I was just doing this. And then I did that. And no, these are big things. Like these are all incredible. You are currently living in Saudi Arabia. And how long have you lived there? 
Uh, it's been like three years now. Oh, okay. Just three years living in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and before Who then, has it? yeah, before then you lived in Qatar, which is yeah. a huge deal. So I have only traveled abroad to go to Cuba. And mm-hmm. for me, the experience was so jarring because I'd never been anywhere else. I should have went somewhere that accepted the internet and social media and credit cards yeah, first. Like it was yeah. too, too drastic. Yeah. Be Cuba was drastic that, for me and I yeah. traveled a lot. And okay. <laughs> because it's really for That is not the place. Yeah, that's not the one to go cut your teeth on. I tell you, you went like, you jumped right in. Oh my goodness. As soon as they opened it up, I was like, yes, let's go. You've been to 60 different countries. What are things like in different countries in terms of the law and legal aspects? Are there any similarities to being in the States? Well, you know, really, you can't get any more drastic than the Middle East. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's actually, it's very livable. Matter of fact, I loved living in Qatar. I can't even Mm -hmm. emphasize how much I enjoyed living there. And the other expats there, perfectly happy. So there are a lot of similarities to the U.S. without all of the stress of living in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's one of the things that you will hear from a lot of expats is that, you know, you don't have the weight of the hamster wheel, for one thing, when you're living abroad. And so you're able to relax and to be yourself. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of financial worries are alleviated living abroad as well. Okay. Because in the Middle East, for one thing, your income is not taxed. And mm-hmm. so that alone is a pay raise. Yeah. And then they also, part of your package will include, in the Middle East anyway, um, housing. So okay. they provide your housing or they give you a housing allowance. So that's a huge expense that you normally have. So, you know, you feel better financially. You yeah. feel better without the, the stress of the rat race in the U.S. and, you know, that American dream and all of those things. And so you're able to just live. Yeah. And so that was the best experience when I lived in Qatar. And I think that helped me then to adapt because I think just like when you went to Cuba and I said, you jumped right in, Saudi is one of those places that's kind of not for the week. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> I have had friends that their first time moving abroad, they went to Saudi. I don't really recommend that. Not that it's so hard to live there, but it's not the easiest route to go. So as far as the laws are concerned, you know, of course, they're Muslim countries Mm -hmm. and Saudi is the most traditional of them all. So um, the consumption of alcohol is illegal in Saudi. Mm. you know, there were women just started driving there about three years ago. Okay. So there's a lot of different things, but then, you know, you adapt. Yeah. So, and, and to be honest, even though alcohol is illegal, it is plentiful <laughs> <laughs> there anyway. <laughs> so of you really course. don't miss out on that. Exactly. Yeah. You're not missing out on anything. <laughs> and so, yeah, there are laws to be aware of. And then even until recently, men, unmarried men and women couldn't share a hotel room until oh. like within this past year, they changed that. And so because they're, they're starting to open up to tourists because they need to diversify away from oil. So they yeah. realize that they're going to drop tourists and they're going to have to 
make some adjustments to make it appealing to people. So one of the things that they changed is now, you know, if you're an unmarried couple, you're still able to rent a room, which was not the case there. Yeah, yeah at all. And even in Qatar, it was kind of an issue. Yeah. You know, they kind of turned their back like you would, you want to go to like an international hotel chain. Okay. So that it was, yeah, not as big of a deal. But if you went to like a local hotel, then they might ask for your marriage certificate when you check oh, in. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, you know, there's things like that. And even most recently, there was a case in Dubai where there was an American that flew to Dubai. So he smoked marijuana when he was in his state legally. Then he traveled to Dubai and he ended up having to have some sort of emergency medical treatment and they tested his blood and found marijuana and he ended up getting arrested. Oh my and I believe gosh. that he's still there and can't leave the country, you know, unless something's happened in the past few weeks that I haven't read about, oh, but this wow. is recent and they detained him. And wow. so that's still today, you know, and he explained, I haven't, you know, done anything illegally here and it was legal where I was, but they're saying, nope, it was in your system while you're here, it's illegal. So I don't know, you know, how that will get resolved. So, so hearing yeah. that story makes me realize that my husband and I would have to do a lot of research before we travel. I would like to think that I would Google and make sure we bring our marriage certificate when we are traveling, similarly to how that guy should have known, you know, having exactly. marijuana in your system when you arrive somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Ignorance of the law, as in the United States, is no excuse. Ignorance and of so the law and American bravada that we're just like, whatever, I travel however I want to. Yes, there definitely is that with Americans. You know, why isn't it like it is at home? And you yeah. can't expect that when you go abroad and you're subject to the local laws. Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> going abroad. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're not, not above at it. home. Yeah. Yeah, you're not above it at all. And a lot of people learn the hard way. Okay. So where did this love of travel come from? You know, I think that I have always had it. I, even when I was young, I enjoyed doing travel, but I didn't have a lot of opportunity to do it when I was young. You know, it was more within the States for the most part. And then I remember it was a big deal when I graduated from high school and my mother took me to Jamaica and we went to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, those are my big trips. And okay. then, I don't know, I didn't do a lot of international travel immediately, but always wanted to. And the funny thing is when I was in undergrad, I wanted to work on a cruise ship. Oh. So, and so I kind of considered it when I was undergrad, but then, you know, life gets in the way mm -hmm. and then I just do something more practical. And so never did pursue that. So I think I always wanted to travel more. And didn't really start to do that, though, until after I graduated from grad school. Okay. Yeah, because then some of my friends were doing international travel, and then I would go with them on trips. And so one of my first trips was going on a Mediterranean cruise with my friend, and then we were able to hop around to different countries. And that kind of really got me started in wanting to go and see and do more. Yeah. So I like how you said life got in the way. And by that, you mean you graduated from Sonoma State University. You received and earned an MBA from Clark Atlanta. And you also got a law degree. <laughs> Those are three really big things that got in the way. What made you earn your MBA? You know, at the time, and this is again, life getting in the way. <laughs> I really wanted to work in entertainment. 
So my undergrad degree is in marketing. So I thought, let me mix it up a little bit. So then I chose finance as my concentration when I took my MBA. Okay. So that was my goal. And I think even when I went to law school, I kept thinking I want to work in entertainment. So, you know, I'm always wanting to just diversify my education. So that's Mm -hmm. why, you know, law even was put into the mix because I'm like, you know, you can't learn too much. And so I'm always adding something into my mix. And so I thought, since finance is a weakness of mine, uh, that'll be my concentration. And since I want to work in entertainment, that will always be an asset. That was my motivation really to um, going to Clark because they offered a sports and entertainment marketing concentration. Um, So my internship during my MBA, I actually interned at Nike in Oregon and it was the year of the Olympics. Mm. So what's funny is I was in Atlanta going to Clark Atlanta during the whole preparation of the Olympics and in the actual summer of the Olympics, I leave Atlanta and go to Oregon to work for Nike. So I was really (laughs) upset that I wasn't actually in Atlanta during the Olympics. But that was a great experience, you know, working there at Nike. Okay. So when I graduated from Clark, I actually was offered a position with the Orlando Magic to do an internship with them, but they were only paying like a thousand dollars a month. Oh, exactly. So, you know, you have to be able to (laughs) afford to even take advantage of those opportunities and I couldn't do it. And so I had to take, you know, a real job. So, you know, it was always kind of like, you know, this is my dream that I like to do, but no reality comes in and I actually have to make more money than a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. And so, you know, wasn't able to go down that route and then something else. (laughs) And then I decided that I wanted to go to law school still got derailed (laughs) (laughs) until I decided to teach. And I think though, you know, as I said, initially, all of those varied experiences though are really assets for me now in the classroom. So, you know, I kind of pride myself in being in academia, but not what I would call an academic. Yeah. Because I don't don't have to do all the theory. I can give them really practical examples and things for them to be able to apply what it is that I'm teaching them in the classroom now. And the students really enjoy my classes, I think, because of that. Oh, absolutely. I'm learning a great deal from you right now. I mean, <laughs> Michelle, do you hear how you have done it all? Like, have you skydived? Like, what haven't you done? So skydiving is on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I haven't managed to do it yet, but it is on the list still. (laughs) I think that would make you an incredible lecturer. So that makes sense that that's what you're doing over there in Saudi Arabia. So. So I just feel like you need to check off as many boxes on your list as you can in this one lifetime. And what really prompted me even to move abroad is that I got laid off of my job with Bank of America. So, you know, that's a time then for you to stop and kind of reflect on what am I going to do next? Mm -hmm. And so I was in that process. And then a friend of mine that actually went to law school with died suddenly. And he was like in his mid thirties. And, you know, I don't even know what happened, but he died suddenly. And it really made me think, you know what? Life is too short. And you need to do what it is that you enjoy and what makes you happy. And I decided that what really makes me happy is traveling. (laughs) And I wanted more time and more money to do that. And I started looking online and the lifestyle that people that taught abroad had seemed to be the lifestyle that I wanted. Because for one thing, you get a lot of time off, you know, and I'm all about vacation. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that was a big job to me. I didn't even know if I would be good at teaching or if I would enjoy teaching. But I thought, let me give this a try because they have the lifestyle that I want to live. And so fortunately, I love teaching and I seem to be pretty good at it. Okay. <laughs> I get good reviews, so that's great. But that's what it was that prompted me. It's just the fact that life, you know, you have this one life and you're supposed to enjoy it. And so yeah. I try to do that as much as I can. Okay. So right now you're the lecturer at an international school and you also taught when you lived in Qatar. What initially got you into teaching? I went in pretty blind initially. So I thought that I knew I'd probably have to teach English and yeah. my brain hadn't gotten as far as the fact that I could teach law. And okay. so I was looking at teaching English and then this opportunity came up for business English and I thought, okay, now this is something I could really dig my teeth into because I can't teach English, you know, I'm not trained in teaching English, but if, mm -hmm. if I can put it into context, then I can do that. And so I happened to apply for Qatar University and that whole process actually was funny because I didn't think that I was gonna get the job because I was totally unprepared for my interview. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that it was going to be an interview. They said, let's talk. And so I thought it was some informal conversation uh -huh. that turned out to be an interview. <laughs> but um, so then, you know, that opportunity just kind of fell into my lap. And so I was really fortunate in that way and that it ended up working out really nicely. It was a great opportunity. I worked with some great people, loved living in the country left kicking and screaming after four years. Um, I didn't know that I was going to like teaching, but I just thought I would give it a try because it just looked appealing to me. And again, I'm the type of person, let's try it. And if you don't like it, you can always do something else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, or you could always go back home. And so I had never been to the Middle East actually when I moved to Qatar. I hadn't visited any Middle Eastern countries and really wow. hadn't seen, I don't even know if I had really seen much of Asia because a lot of my travel had been like Europe. And so that was the great unknown as well. And so yeah. all of it was just a pleasant surprise for me. But that's what I tell people is that, you know, try it because if you don't like it, you can try something else or you could go back to what you were doing before. Sure. Did you just have to submit a resume and have them review it, things like that? Yes. And so okay. after I had been teaching business English for a while, then and then I started feeling more confident about my teaching skills. Then I started looking at whatever what other opportunities there are for me. So yeah. then I thought, you know, I could teach at a law school. And then since my background is business, then business law just makes the most sense mm -hmm. for me. And so I started looking for positions specifically teaching business law and happened to find this opportunity in Saudi then for business law. I don't even remember how I applied for that job or if they found me. Okay. Yeah, and so, and you know, our, our curriculum is American based. And so in that region, it's not gonna be easy to find people that are familiar with the American law and have actually practiced the American law. So yeah, it's been really nice for me. Okay. <laughs> because I don't have, you know, a lot of competitions in for that. Yeah. But if anybody has the background, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great opportunity and definitely something to experience. Yeah. My husband always jokes about 
moving abroad. Well, I think he's joking. He might not be joking. And he has an uncle that lives in Denmark. And he's like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. But I'm always like, I don't want to teach English. It seems so boring, but I might be able to teach law. Like you opened yes. up this whole new area for me. So. Right, right. That was me. Like I really had no interest in teaching English, although I knew that that's probably where I'd have to at least start. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, fortunately it was at least business English. So maybe you want to look into something like that English, but in some sort of a context. Yeah. And so that makes it a lot easier to teach as well. Okay. Um, so you mentioned that the course schedule is American-based law. Are you actually teaching expats that are living overseas or is it, are the students just interested in the way that Americans practice law? Well, the university in general has an American curriculum. So all of the classes are taught in English. The students are primarily Saudi. So they're all Saudi students, but the university has just chosen that they will follow the American curriculum because schools will usually either go American curriculum or British curriculum. But for university level, usually it's American curriculum because that's pretty much the standard. Hmm. So then of course, then I'm teaching American law. So our our books are the same books that we have in the U.S. with the same U.S. cases. I do um, make my my, um, course more global because I know that these are not American students Mm -hmm. and they're not going to understand a lot of the American ways. So I do open it up to like when they do their research paper, it's they could choose global cases or it could be a Saudi case. So I do bring Saudi law into the classroom as well. Okay. But yeah, our books are American books based on American case law. <laughs> I am over here so tickled by this conversation because you're an international professor who also just happens to live in the Middle East. This is incredible. <laughs> it's so cool. That's so funny because, you know, for me, it's just like, oh yeah, that's just, I'm it's so boring. This is yeah. my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Okay. And my mother is totally unimpressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever you need someone to hype you up, just let me know. Because I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> so do you think that law school sets you up for having this kind of a flexible lifestyle? I think in a way, yes. Mm-hmm. Because, well, you know, law school, for one thing, just teaches you, it trains you in a certain way of thinking. So I think yeah. that that's an asset to anybody anyway, just, you know, to logically think through things and to break it down and to take people literally for what they say yeah, (laughs) and to question things. So I think generally those are all good, um, good skills to have, good habits to have. And even though I'm not practicing, I am licensed in the state of Wisconsin. Matter of fact, I have to send them my money this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Had I not gone to law school, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Okay. So it absolutely is an asset. And so practicing or not, it has changed the trajectory of my life. So for that, then I think it was absolutely worth it. You know, besides for some great lifetime friends that I have from law school as well. I think it's really interesting that law school didn't kind of kill your sense of wanderlust or adventure right? When you were younger, you thought about being a cruise director and then you thought about sports entertainment and then you become a lawyer, but you're still exploring being an adventurer, living overseas, and you've just kind of integrated the law with it. So I think that's actually really cool. 
And it wasn't part of the plan. You know, I knew, of course, that I would be just a traveler. So, mm-hmm. you know, even in law school, I never, I wasn't thinking of living abroad at that time. It was just that I just wanted to travel and yeah. I was okay with that. But then there just came a time when I could reflect on what it is I wanted to do next. And I really had the urge to live outside of the United States. And so, and, and right now I have absolutely no desire to return. <laughs> So, and you will find that with a lot of expats, like some people, I I will tell people just try it for a year and some people will just do one year and go home. But most people after that one year, they don't want to go back either. They will extend it indefinitely. So I know some people that are like, I planned on coming here for one year and now I've been here 13 years, you know, or whatever. So at this point, I've been away for seven years. And as I said, now my, my next location is Panama. And I, I know I'm so excited about this and, um, but I don't have any plans to actually live in the United States. So uh, one of the things that appeals to me about going to Panama though, is that I'm closer to the U S and kind, you know, at least now I'm back into the time zone, which is nice, but, um, you know, I, I still don't want to be in the U S but it'd be nice for it to be accessible. It's so funny because I do, I feel like a foreigner now. When I go shopping, I'm like, wow, look at all of these, this variety. Why are there 85 <laughs> different kinds of crackers? Why? Exactly. Yeah. What is going on here? Oh, look at this new flavor. So my mother, <laughs> you know, she's like really patient with me while we're in the store because I'm like a newborn baby, you know, like I've never seen the world literally. before. Literally, that's what I, and I want to pick up everything and what is this new technology they have here? <laughs> and I'm just in awe of the variety of everything in the mm-hmm. United States. No, I think that's a great point because when people daydream about their life, you know, you might think about making a certain amount of money or having a certain size of family, but why not think about living outside of your home country? Why not? And I think this is a great conversation to get people thinking about what they really want and where they want to be. Yes. And I love that you said, why not? Because that's actually my motto. Yeah. And I got it from the, the guy that died um, from in law school. Mm-hmm. He used to always say, why not? And so I just picked that up and that's what I say. Why not? <laughs> and so give it a try. And again, if it's not for you, that's fine. You tried it. You can go back to, you know, whatever life you wanted to have before, or you could try a new country. And so, yeah, why not? Okay. (laughs) So I just have one last question here for you. Mm -hmm. Right now you are also hosting the Flipping the Script podcast. What made you decide to start a podcast? So uh, I would... I hear a lot of friends actually going through changes, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's part of life. Everybody has, you experience change in life. Some people have more difficulty adapting to change or embracing change. And as you can tell, I love change. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I want to help people to kind of like navigate their way through that change and not just navigate, but to actually embrace it mm-hmm. because there's good things that come from change. And so don't always think of it as something negative, you know, take the good out of whatever that change is. Yeah. And a lot of times change is forced upon you um, that you don't have a choice 
But even in those instances, then take advantage of whatever it is that, you know, is facing you next. And it makes you stronger. It makes you realize, you know, your resilience and what you can do and what you can face. And it really helps you to build your confidence. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to help women to navigate that change in some sort of way. And so my guests will give, you know, their examples of how they navigated their way through change, what kind of advice they can give to others. And then I share my experiences of what I'm doing as far as change and embracing it and hoping that it helps somebody else in their path. And so that's what really motivated me into that. And so I started noticing a pattern though throughout this first season that I just had is that again, that change for a lot of my guests besides myself involved moving abroad. And so, you know, I wanted to, you know, I want to explore that some more and emphasize that some more and encourage more women to look at living abroad, because I think that, you know, that's where most of my guests say they really realize, you know, who they are and are able to live the life that they wanted to live without the stigmas maybe that they had from home and the expectations, you know, you can recreate yourself Mm -hmm. when you go abroad and become more of who you want to be. And so, you know, I think that everybody should have that opportunity to live their life, whether, you know, a lot of times it takes distancing yourself from where you are in order to be able to achieve that. If you, if it's not, then that's great. You know, if you want, if you can do that at home, but a lot of times, you know, you kind of just have to distance yourself from all of those other things and those other stressors and things like that in order to live the life that you want to live, which I'm all for. (laughs) Whatever. And you'll learn things about yourself. Like one of the things that I'll never forget in Cuba was the haggling over everything, right? So you try to take a taxi and $7, $7. No, I'm only giving you three. Okay, five, five, five. No, I'm only giving you three. (laughs) And I've never had to do that before, but I came back and was like, you know, there was a confidence to me. Like you start to look at things differently. It changed things in my life, even though I was only there for a week. And I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to live abroad for a year. Like what kind of things in my personality would be brought out. You're right. That's another thing is that of those 60 countries that I've traveled in, most of them, I actually traveled solo. So that's another thing that I do encourage also, because like you said, that confidence that you're talking about, traveling solo and realizing that you can navigate. So even if you don't live abroad, just, you know, travel on your own Mm -hmm. into an unfamiliar space and see how you can navigate through it on your own. And Mm -hmm. you will be so proud of, you know, at the end of the day wow, I can't believe that I was able to actually get through this Spanish speaking country or, you know, whatever language they're speaking and that I was able to get what I wanted and I had a good time and I survived. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So yeah, those, those survival skills kick in, you know, you, you only have yourself to rely on and Mm -hmm. no one else. And so you really realize your own power and your own strength. And so, you know, as a baby step, and and it's still a big step to travel solo, then I suggest you can start there and just take solo trips on your own. And that really is empowering as well. Yeah. Well, this was great, Michelle. Thank you so much. Was there anything else you wanted to share about the importance of your legal education or, you know, why people should flip the scripts in their own lives? I would just say that, again, 
it's important for you to live your own truth and your own life. Everybody has their own script Mm -hmm. and you get to write your own script. Don't let somebody write your script for you. And so I'm all about empowerment and being able to write your own script and then to live that script. And so, you know, any way that I can help to facilitate that, that's one of the things, you know, I want to focus on when I do move to Panama, I kind of remove myself from teaching as much, or I might teach online is to help to empower women of color in particular to be able to write their script and to live their script. And so, you know, if there's any way that I can facilitate that, then I am here to do that. And I'm open for anybody that has any questions on how to live abroad or how to start to do the research on where they should go and what they Mm -hmm. should do, then I'm open for that because I am a huge proponent of it because I know how much it has changed my life. Yeah. And so for everyone listening, please do not just buy a ticket and move to Qatar without researching. (laughs) Do some research about local customs and please reach out to Michelle if you have any questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. You're welcome. And thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed this. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.